The wait for Game of Thrones Season 7 is almost over, and we are continuing our journey on the road to Westeros. Day 4, here on Post Show Recaps, I'm Rob Sestrino here with Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? I am feeling shame, shame, shame today, Rob. Why? I know that, that, that those are words of yesteryear, but I'm feeling there's no dragon horn in season six. That never showed up. I don't know what I was talking about yesterday. Okay. Uh, it's just that's just in the book. That That's totally the book and the show blending together. Uh, faux pas. I got to get my stuff together here. I'm supposed to be really deep in Westeros and I have no idea what's going on. Look, it's hard to keep track of, you know, everything that's going on. And uh, I have listened to uh, the audio book of uh the basically like the first three and a half books but like where things start to really get different uh, you know I, I felt like that there was a point where this was confusing me to continue yes. on with the audiobooks the timelines are merging i don't know yeah it's all it's all very confusing listen preseason jitters we're shaking it out now right like we're getting it out of our system now and we're going to be all hopped up when we get into the real thing All right, but today we're talking about a woman who... uh, Now, there is no shame in her game in uh, Cersei Lannister who sits on the Iron Throne, a development which came up. A little little bit of shame. (laughs) Not on her part. She's pretty shameless at this point. You don't think that she feels... You don't think she feels at all bad about what happened to Tom in there? She's like, oh, that was a great plan. Didn't take into account the fact that my last kid might just, like, completely off themselves out of grief. Yeah, honestly, uh, we don't really know. She might have just, like, completely has lost it and is completely just, like, not even thinking about that, or... She's the dog in the fire. This is fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We didn't get to see very much of the fallout of the falling out of the window for Tommen. We saw that scene and then basically we see her going to the Iron Throne and so it'll be interesting to see what she's going to be like in uh, Season 7 and of course uh, we will know once we get to Sunday night when we have our first live Game of Thrones recap when it will be uh, myself, you and Stephen Fishback to kick off our Sunday night coverage of that first episode. Yeah, we'll find out for sure. Looking forward to the snow at all, by the way. Uh, yeah, I think that that's going to be one of the interesting questions coming into this season is like, just how far has Cersei gone? My instinct is that she's gone full cray cray banana pants. Like, I think that she is all the way in Looney Tunes town. Uh, I think that after everything that she has weathered over these past few seasons and the fact that she has had her eye on the crown for so, so long and she finally gets it, but at such a horrible cost and I think you can't be like that stable of a person to have done what she did to get rid of her enemies to begin with uh, just the attack on the Sept of Baylor killing innocents like so, so many like thousands of people probably died in that wildfire attack not to mention the fact that she destroys an iconic monument in her own city just to kill like what 10 people that she has a grudge against if you want to be generous uh, certainly the High Sparrow's followers as well are people that she needs to target there so it's a highly effective and ruthless move but I think that even Tywin Lannister would have uh, would have uh, thought that Cersei was a lunatic for suggesting such a thing yeah, so that was not a Tywin you- plan 
No, no. I mean, Tywin is the kind, you know, Tywin did the Red Wedding. He's not above, you know, uh, violating sacred pacts and, you know, the the uh, the the old, you know, rigors of, of Westeros custom and everything like that in order to score a clean victory, even if it's an ugly win. At least it's a decisive one. I still feel like this would have been this would have been a bridge too far, even for that guy. And so if that's the case, that really tells you a lot about where Cersei was when she put that plan into motion. And then after all of that, her son commits suicide and now she has the only three things that were really joyful in her life were her children no disrespect to uncle jamie uh i think that now that all of them are gone and she was already willing to go there i think it's pretty safe to say that this person is uh is is past the past the point at this point Joshua, I want to ask you about Cersei's ambitions, because we've been talking about her finally getting to sit on the Iron Throne. But do you feel like for her, that was always something that she wanted? You know, we've certainly seen her and heard her lament about the restrictions on her being born a woman and not being able to rise to power as if she were a man in this world. But being the person who is the ultimate ruler of Westeros, was that always something that she was going for? I don't know if it was necessarily that. I think that she's always been going for. She's not mad at it, though. She's not, I mean, she might be now. I mean, I don't know. Like, no, queen, maybe. She's, she's mad queen for sure. I think that she's always been about her people and her family and the people that she loves being in the positions of power, being the people who could call all the shots. And I think a big part of Cersei's character is that she's always felt very frustrated that she is overlooked and passed over by the people in her life that are in more powerful positions than her, especially with her father. I think that she never really cared for the fact that she wasn't considered she wasn't heard I think she looked at an oaf like Robert Baratheon and was just like wow this guy gets to be in charge what an idiot why am I not in power Uh, I think a lot of it probably also stems from the fact that once upon a time she almost could have been married off to Rhaegar Targaryen that didn't pan out so there's a lot of baggage for Cersei and a lot of flirtations with the Iron Throne I think in her perfect world it would have just been a very clean victory for Joffrey he would be sitting there he wouldn't have been such a monster child that would you know engender so much hatred towards this guy that there would be this secret assassination plot that's carried out at his own wedding i think all of that would not exist but in cersei's perfect world i think it's the lannisters are in charge of the iron throne even if they have to wear baratheon as their official name just knowing that her people were the ones at the top of the power structure of westeros i think that would have been perfect and if she could be the person who's whispering in the king's ear i think that's the sweet spot always want to be vice president vice president's a good place to be it's not bad now tywin once told cersei that her problem is that she's not as smart as she thinks she is what do you feel like her reign looks like as uh, the queen of westeros because or i guess or as i mean she's always been the queen uh since she married robert but now as the ruler of westeros because we see in the trailer, she talks about, I've got enemies to the north, I've got enemies to the south, enemies to the west, enemies to the east. Uh, what is her game plan here? Uh, so what does Cersei's reign look like as the queen of Westeros? Short. 
I think <laughs> I think I think it doesn't look like it's something that's really going to last very long. Uh, look, I do think that she. I think that Cersei is in this story through the final season. I don't think that we will lose this character this year. I don't expect that she will still be standing or at least still be in a position of power by the end of the whole thing. Uh, but I think that I don't think that we lose Cersei until season season eight. That feels like final final end game material. But that being said. I don't know. I don't know. Just as you know, there's so much in Daenerys Targaryen's corner. She has so many allies. She has dragons. She's got, you know, plot momentum going for her. There is just about nothing going for Cersei. Cersei is positioned as an antagonistic force and has been since the very beginning of the show. So the plot momentum is not on her side to be successful. She does not have dragons and she is severely lacking in allies. And I think that the people of King landing probably are scared witless uh, by her but are not exactly in love with her so she's really ruling by fear this is a person who you are waiting to see uh, get their comeuppance like that is where she is positioned in this story just in terms of the narrative and in terms of what we've gotten out of this character over all of these seasons but also the realities that are facing her I think that her options are pretty slim and really the only things that I can think of where Cersei can be successful or can you know kind of delay the inevitable there none of them are like great tactics none of them are like lifelong uh persevering tactics i think that she has like one really major short-term play right now and uh I, I don't think that there's anything else. I think that basically she has King's Landing in a hostage situation, and that's the only thing that she's got going for her right now. The other big part of things for Cersei is the return of Jaime from the Riverlands. Uh, we saw him in the finale show back up. He didn't look like super pumped up to see what was going on with uh, all of uh, the Sept of Baylor uh, burnt and uh, Cersei sitting on the Iron Throne. Uh, Cersei, you have some explaining to do. (laughs) Ah, Jamie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Not not for nothing, you know, his last child has died as well, although, you know, publicly this was his nephew. Uh, But Jamie has had to bear witness to the deaths of his children uh in addition to cersei uh very difficult stuff on that end but when you think of the jamie lannister arc and like when he started to make his turn towards the light such as that is uh that's back in season three when he finally opens up to brienne when they're in the in the tub together and he's talking about why he did what he did to the mad king eris and how he became the king slayer and sort of the unsung version of that story of the mad king basically being like all right I'm about to get caught. Uh, the forces are invading King's Landing and I'm about to lose this thing. So how about this? How about we burn all of King's Landing in wildfire and I'll be okay because I'm a Targaryen and I have dragon blood and I'm unburnable and I'm going to be fine and everybody else burns to death and all my enemies die and there's no King's Landing for anyone to get anymore. And Jamie's like, yeah, I should probably kill this man right now. And so he does and he's willing to take a huge hit to his reputation. He is violating a sacred pact 
act in killing this man, and he is going to forever be known as the Kingslayer, uh, and it's going to be a very, very bad look for Jamie. It's a bad reputation for that guy, but he was willing to do it when so much was on the line. Now he's coming back, and Cersei has actually already at least partly accomplished the thing that Jamie was willing to kill a king for. She's burned a decent amount of King's Landing to the ground in a hellacious display of wildfire. Um, I think that he is probably very nervous. Now, Jamie killing Cersei is not as easy as Jamie killing the Mad King, but Jamie having to contend with what his sister and his lover is capable of, that's going to be a big story in season seven for sure. It certainly is, but what are we going to be seeing between Jamie and Cersei in the meantime? Until we get to, uh, you know, really where things boil over, I mean, is Jamie going to try to get on board with this and advise Cersei in terms of uh, what they're going to do to defend the city from all of these attackers? You know, he has said in the past, like, nobody matters but us, like, F everybody else. Like, this is what he says to her after uh, he brings Marcella's body home. Uh, he's basically saying, like, F everybody else. Screw everybody. We are the only people that matter. And I wonder how long he can continue to tow that company line. Um, you know, a big part of it, too, is like what happens when these people, if these people find out about White Walkers and the situation going north, will everybody be able to like chill out a little bit and focus on the cold death threat that is storming towards Westeros? Jamie seems level headed enough to maybe start targeting the real threat at the end of the rainbow here. But I'm not I'm not so sure. I think that especially because because Cersei has so few options in her corner right now that to completely remove Jamie uh, in the early going of season seven anyway as somebody in her side, I think is very limiting for that character. So I expect that Jamie's probably going to be team Cersei for at least a little while, but I don't think that he's going to be able to stay that way forever. You know, there's just so few characters that are even in King's Landing right now. We really, you know, wipe the board clean from so many of these small council members and uh, different people that were part of the King's Landing storyline over uh, the early seasons of the show. It's really just, uh, you know, Cersei and Kyburn and Robert Strong and now Jamie. I mean, those are the only principles that we have here in the King's Landing side of things. Yeah, but I think that, you know, the fact that the stories are condensing so much and, sure. you know, so much seems to be folding in on itself and Daenerys is coming to Westeros. I think that there's a lot of opportunity for those characters to cross-pollinate. You could even see Varys back in King's Landing again, or Tyrion back in King's Landing, or Cersei out on a battlefield and meeting the Mother of Dragons, or whatever you want to dream up for now until we see the thing in a, in a few weeks, uh, or a few days at this point, potentially even. Uh, I think that that's, that's now all open. But you're right, in terms of just like the actual character content in King's Landing proper as it stands, you're really looking at Cersei, you're looking at Kyburn, who's, who's fun, but not necessarily like a breakout character you're looking at jamie who is probably going to be running around you know doing fighty stuff because that's what he does uh and then there's the mountain who doesn't talk <laughs> at mm -hmm. all so this this storyline you know king's landing this setting has long been your favorite place on game of thrones you've always said that uh and it, it's uh, a considerably less chatty place now uh heading into season seven everybody like uh, no good conversationalists really kicking around in king's landing maybe Braun can show up in the king's landing storyline That'd be fun. Yeah. I'd be happy with that. Him and Jamie. 
You could get that going. You got to imagine like Braun's got to be like one of the first people to be like, yeah, I'm totally team Targaryen now. <laughs> like, just look at the odds. I'm sorry. You're on your own. Like, I could see Braun very early in the season just like completely dipping, especially because Tyrion is the queen's hand, you know, hand of the queen mm-hmm. for, for Daenerys. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm totally team Tyrion. I'm sorry. I always liked him a little bit better than Jamie Plus right. he has both of his hands. Jamie can't keep promising him bigger castles and better wives at some point. He's like, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to uh, hit on 19 here and try to improve uh, what I've already gotten. Now, Josh, yeah. in our notes for these podcasts that you described uh, this episode as uh, how can Cersei win? Things look so bleak for Cersei. Is there any way that you see her potentially being triumphant in these battles that are coming her way? No, 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 no. Uh, I think that I think that she's toast. I think I think that eventually she is just completely, completely, completely roasted, toasted and burnt to a crisp. But I think that actually that's kind of where she has a shot for a little while. It's all about delaying the inevitable for Cersei Lannister for me right now. I don't think that we saw the last of the wildfire. Uh, I don't think that was all of the wildfire that was used to destroy the Sept of Baelor. You know, the legends are that, you know, the Mad King Eris laced like major points in King's Landing with wildfire. And there's the possibility of more of that stuff being used. Now, how you transport that and use that effectively against Danny when she's got three dragons, that's a little bit harder to wrap your head around. But if you think about it more from like the Mad King lens, and if you think about Cersei as somebody who has nothing left to lose, her kids are gone, she's really just kind of lost it. She's just, you know, trying to hang on to whatever power she can. She's a a desperate person in a corner willing to do whatever she has to do to survive at this point. Cersei is exactly the type of person I could see going to Danny or talking to a representative of the Targaryens and being like, yeah, sure, come at me, all of you people. Try and take over King's Landing and if you do, I will nuke King's Landing. I will destroy this place. I will destroy myself. I don't care. I have run out of Fs to give. I have proved that I am willing to do this by destroying the Sept of Baelor. I have leveled that place. So try me. Try me. Try coming after me and let's see what kind of Iron Throne you're going to be looking at when you get over here. So I feel like she's kind of got her finger on on the red button or the hot fluorescent green button, as it were. And I think that that's what I mean when I said earlier about a hostage crisis in King's Landing. I think that's her only shot at delaying the inevitable, because otherwise, why wouldn't Danny and everybody just immediately roll into King's Landing and get, you know, Cersei arrested or killed or whatever? Uh, I think that her saving grace is the fact that she probably has you know, a hot wired capital city at her disposal. And that's going to be something that's going to require some political maneuvering and finesse in order to untangle. And that's where a guy like Tyrion comes in. Yeah, sir. No, I was going to ask you, do we have a Tyrion and Cersei reunion in season oh, seven? Yeah. Yes or no? Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, the the likelihood of a Stark family reunion, like just as that is like a super likely thing coming into season seven, you now have Tyrion, Jamie, and Cersei all on the same continent again for the first time in a couple of seasons. Seasons. It's been a long time since the three of them have shared a scene together. Feel like you got to have that here in the penultimate season of Game of Thrones. Okay. And does Arya get a shot at revenge against Cersei? Do you think that? What do you that, think? Uh, boy, um, 
you'd get Arya involved in this storyline if that's uh, what she wanted to do. But it just seems like that Cersei has so many other things on her plate. Arya Stark seems like a real wild card and distraction from everything else. I agree. I think I don't I don't know exactly where Arya's destiny is leading her. Uh, She certainly still has some names on the list that she's got to consider crossing off. I just don't know that she's the one who gets the shot on Cersei. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I just don't know if that's as satisfying to Cersei's end of things to have Arya be the person who kills her off. So I don't know. I would be worried, actually, like if if we start to see in season seven that Arya's story is trending towards King's Landing and she's like, I'm going after the match queen i'm gonna finish this thing that's when i start getting a little freaked out for Arya stark interesting you feel like that that could be her undoing yeah like that could be the thing of like maybe you shouldn't be no one but maybe you shouldn't be like all the way Arya. you know like maybe you, like, you don't want to go full Arya. i think maybe you want to like temper it somewhere between no one and full Arya. and i think that going after cersei yeah i think that that's gonna be that could potentially be biting off more than she could chew and you know just t- in talking through something that we'd said earlier in the road to westeros it's like who can you imagine actually losing at this point that would really genuinely shock you Losing Arya would be very shocking, I think. And to lose her in that fashion would be especially, especially brutal, considering how many times Lannisters have come out over the Starks. So Arya, stay away from King's Landing. I don't like it for Arya if she goes after Cersei. And also at some point for Arya, we have like this apocalyptic potential ending to the realm on the horizon. Does she ever table her list of names? Like, is there ever? Okay, I'll get to that. That later, you know, there we have a uh, bigger fish to fry here in terms of protecting the realm that my brother is going off to go fight the Night's King. And uh, we have uh, the invasion of King's Landing going on in the south. Does that any of that distract her from what she wants to do? I don't know. Um... Or is it just me, me, me all the time for Arya? <sighs> <laughs> Yo, after so many uh, so many episodes of being nobody, like you got to start focusing on yourself again. Okay. Uh, no, I, I feel like she's being drawn north. I really hope so. I, I want to see the Starks together, and I, I am just very nervous about the prospects of her going up against Cersei. I feel like because uh, then the mountains there, and she's going to try and cross that off, and like that's just not happening. Like mm-hmm. there's no way that Arya's taking down the mountain. All right. Well, this Sunday night, we're going to get one seventh of the way closer to finding out what's going on here in season seven. You want to make sure you're subscribed to our Game of Thrones podcast feed. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. And we certainly appreciate your feedback and star ratings here at the start of the season. Josh Wiggler. Oh, yeah. We love those Stark ratings and those Lannister ratings, too. Yes. Uh, Josh, do you want to tease what's coming up tomorrow on the road to Westeros? Well, we just talked a little bit about, you know, some of the subject matter I'm sure we're going to get into with the idea of like, what if Arya Stark died? Uh, we're trying to like think about some of these people that could really, really shock us. Uh, like who who would really blow us away if they were killed off here in season seven? So I think maybe we're going to meditate on that matter a little bit more. All right. So be on the lookout for that. Postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes to subscribe. We'll be back with more Road to Westeros 
Patrols tomorrow. Follow Josh on Twitter. He's at Round Howard. I'm at Rob Cisterino. And if you hadn't had a chance, check out the new look on postshowrecaps.com. We just switched over the website theme over the weekend. Hope you like it. Uh, check it out, postshowrecaps.com. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.